Hey, I'm Ben. I'm Aiden. And I'm Paddy, and you're listening to That's Football. And welcome back to That's Football. Uh, we've just came off the back of a, a, a fantastic uh, Premier League weekend. Uh, it's the second. And yeah, lots of promising. We've seen a few teams perform better than we expect at the start of the season, but also some are definitely underperforming. I just want to chat to you boys. What do you guys think um, about this game week? What, what stood out to you? Yeah, after a first game week, um, a game week that had offered so much in terms of goals and and um, showing of where teams are sort of at, it was good to have a bit of a realisation check um, in this week for some teams. So I think um, it was good to see where they... Um, stand after two weeks, but I think it's going to take a while for us to truly know where some of these newly promoted sides stand and where um, where some of the the higher teams like Chelsea and and Manchester City are going to going to be lining up uh, for the upcoming year. Ethan, what was your um, what was your sort of moment of the week? Um, I'd probably say my moment of the le- week would be Lukaku's. Uh debut back for Chelsea. Um, I think he had a pretty good performance. I think overall Chelsea just kind of dominated Arsenal. And I, I guess on the other side, it kind of gave Arsenal a bit of a reality check. Like, yeah, you know, that first loss to Brentford was pretty bad, but, you know, they, they seriously have to fix something up at that club if they want to actually be contending for even Europa now. Yeah, well, I think I think Arsenal will struggle to... Get anywhere near top six that um based on this based on what we've seen they look um they look lackluster they don't look like they're playing for the manager and that's one of the worst things that can possibly happen at a club um on the on the pitch at least um where the the players aren't with the manager it's impossible even if Arteta um was to change and was to become and have really good ideas of how to beat these teams like Chelsea like Man City if the players aren't with you and the players don't believe in you it's so difficult and um yeah. Yeah, no, I compl- I think Lukaku had a great performance. Um, for me, the moment of the week might be I, I haven't really thought yet. Maybe maybe seeing it's it's not really a moment of the week. It's just like a, a shock to me. It's kind of the how Man United will hold only to a one-one draw against Southampton. It was um yeah, it just shows that it's really really going to be really really tight at the top, and anyone could beat anyone. It's going to be a tight year. I think that that battle in the um in the middle of the, the league from, say, spot six to about 13 is going to be really tight. Um, and it's going to be about how those teams can sort of bounce back from some of the losses they've had and if they can be consistent. I imagine that the teams that are the most consistent this year, and we've even seen this over the um, over the game week in terms of cons- teams being able to play a full 90, if, if those mid-range sort of sides, we're talking uh, the Everton's, the... The, the leads and some of the lower ones like Brighton who have had a really good start. If they can really be consistent throughout the games and through the season, I can see them um, pushing for those higher spots. Yeah, and also, Paddy, just adding on to that, what you were saying, um, when I feel like you're talking about consistency there, a lot of teams like Leeds who have had a really like average start to the season um, always get told, oh, they play amazing football though. I think this is going to be the difference this year. Um, you have to be consistent. That doesn't mean playing the best football you've ever played. That's just getting results. Whether, for example, Spurs at Wolves, they didn't play their best. They actually were by far the worst team in that game. But they got the result. And I think that's going to be the difference because, um, with the, the teams like Aston Villa, like Leeds, who like to play that silky 
football, even like Brighton as well, obviously have, have had a great start. If they can't keep it consistent, um, they're going to really struggle. And talking about a lack of consistency, my fantasy team is in the bin. Uh, I think I've had a pretty decent week in terms of the That's Football Fantasy League. Um, the code's everywhere. You can have a look on Instagram if you want to get in on the action a little bit later. I've got a, a decent league going on, and I've just overtaken Ben um, with my score of 79 uh, for the game week. Ben, what sort of let you down, and what are your differentials and, and hopes for the upcoming week? Oh, I think it's, it's hard to say anyone let me down. Uh, I, you'd say Tony and uh, also my captain pick, um, Salah and Bruno Fernandes. But I still ended the week um, well over 15 points ahead of the average. And also, um, I'm, it's just like I, I'm not disappointed in my team. I'm actually very, very happy. It's just towards the top of the table. I think we're 20 points clear of anyone in third, Paddy, us two in the, fan, um, the Vats Football Fantasy League. Um, yeah, I think... It's more just like when when it's at the top, it's only like two points, three points, that sort of thing. That's what makes the difference. Um, so I'm not disappointed at all with my team. I'm very happy. I'm top 167,000 in the world. So I'll take that any day. Um, but yeah, the this this week is going to be huge for transfers. There's so many options. We kind of have got more of a grasp of who which players are going to perform better and which players are worth the value. Um, what transfers have you boy? What transfers have you boys made? Uh, yeah, I made a couple of changes to my team. Um, Digne was not playing very well over the past two weeks, so I've chucked him the bin, and uh, I've converted my back line into a three-back, and I've brought in Norgard into the midfield. Um, bit of a... What do, you, what do you call it again? Bit of a... Uh, yeah, something like that. So, look, it's a bit of a wing. Like, I'm having a bit of a wing moment, but, hey, it might pay off, and I might get some extra points. Uh what about you, Paddy? Yeah, so just touching on that, Athens uh, dropped down a couple of spots into fifth. Um, just quick shout out to Tom Tom Diamond, who got the equal highest score with myself, um, seventy nine points. He had a great week. Um, Reese James really performed in terms of the game and also fantasy. Um, so he's he's been up there. For me, transfers are a difficult one. I've I sort of regret some of the uh, decisions I've made for my team in terms of being able to transfer sort of players out. We're hearing all this talk of, of Ronaldo coming in and then you you got to have a consideration for Lukaku and, and Kane. And my team doesn't seem to um, sort of change around um, to get those players in. So I've sort of put myself um, in a bit of a bottleneck at the moment. But I have made one transfer this week and um, after the international break, I'll, I'll, I'll spend my two. I've brought in... Livramento, who is a player from Southampton, uh, the cheapest possible price point at, at four mil. And he is going to be starting for me. He's been he's played 90 minutes in the first two games and he's a really attacking fullback. Um, and Southampton have the fixture against Newcastle this week, so I'm expecting a lot from him. Uh, hopefully get an assist on the board and potentially a clean sheet um, to fill in the wrong of Simicat, who's had a really good start but won't really get a chance as, as Robertson's come back. Ben, I think you and I have um, similar sort of intentions with the game. We spend a lot of time on it, a lot of thought. Um, I know you were juggling up about transfers this, with uh, this week. What have you ended up going for? Uh, yeah, I'll just go through my decision-making, uh, what my oh, I was actually thinking of doing. I wanted to um, bring in Ben Rama, as he seems to be a bit of an essential now. Um, in, in that West Ham team, he's, his price is rapidly rising. I think something like 700,000 transfers just this just this week. Um, 
but I didn't, I couldn't, I could, I couldn't really work out how to fit him in. Right. So Greenwood, who's been fantastic for me, um, this opening two weeks, I think it got 10 points and 11 points or something like that. Um, in the opening two game weeks, um, is he, uh, if I was to downgrade him and get Ben Rama, that was really, that was really the idea. I was going to downgrade him to Ben Rama, but I'm like, why would I downgrade someone who's already done so well for me? Um, and I've already got Antonio. Um, Antonio is obviously another attacker in that West Ham team. And I didn't like the risk of, you know, West Ham. If West Ham went through a, a patch where they weren't doing great, I'd have to move on two players rather than just the one. So I'm fairly happy with Antonio. I've had him since the start. So, yeah. So I've gone for a very, um, a very, very passive, uh, very defensive, not very aggressive t- transfer. I've just, um, I've switched out an injured player or he is, I think he's quarantining Veltman for Tanganga who rotates quite nicely for Ailing, and um, with Ailing in that defense for me. And yeah, I've just, I've just dropped and um, Simakas is going to go on my bench and he's going to get sold straight away after, um, after this game week, as people start to realize that he isn't going to be playing for Liverpool anymore. Yeah. I was just thinking like, maybe you could have moved it to a three back to put Ben Rama in, but that Tanganga is I think a good option to put instead of Ailing. Um, in other news, uh, there's been recently some big news about transfers. Um, I think the one that's been on everyone's mind is Ronaldo, especially. What do you think, Paddy? Yeah, so for the audience at home, Ronaldo is currently um, at Juventus, and there's a lot of debate about um, if he's going to move and, and when it's going to be. So he's currently got 12 months left on his contract. Uh, which will go to this time next year, and then he'll become a free agent. But in January, clubs can start offering pre-contract deals where they will get um, sign Ronaldo for free and then have to pay really high wages. So all these clubs are bidding um, high wages to get him in. Now, he's not an expensive um, sort of asset as he is aging. Um, so I think he, he's valued at about um, 30, 40 million pounds um, if a side was to, to buy him as of now. But of course... Juventus will be wanting to cash him in and then so there's a very high chance that he will um, get sold and the, the talk is about whether he's going to be going to Manchester City. Now Manchester City's deal with Kane is out and Ben will have a, a talk about that as well. There's a lot of striker movement at the moment um, but Ronaldo played at Manchester United and they sort of made him as a player. They made him into the the champion that we all know, one of the best football players of all time. So going to the rival club of Manchester City has brought a lot of talk about um, football's loyalty and and how money can really change, um, has really changed the game and could continue to. Yeah, I think, I don't think I'm hopeful that he's not going to go to Manchester City. Although it doesn't really matter to me, I don't really mind who... um, the rival, like, I have no rivalries in Man United, I've got no rivalries in Man City, and it's not like, um, yeah, it's kind of like, I don't really care in terms of the rivalry matter. It's kind of just, it's kind of a symbol of, if he moves to Man City, it's kind of a symbol of where football is now, rather than, like, even if it doesn't affect me with the right, like, I don't really care. It's just like, it just shows that loyalty is not valued as, valued as much among the players as it once was. Um, which is a real shame. Um, and yeah, there seems to be a bit of a, um, a a trade triangle going on between Real Madrid, Juventus, Spurs, actually that's, that's four, and Man City. Um, Spurs pull out with Kane, Kane staying, which makes Man City want to go get another striker. 
they look to Juventus because Ronaldo's leaving, and then Mbappe wants to leave PSG, and then PSG want to get Ronaldo. It's incre- it's crazy. It's well, the talk about those three strikers: Mbappe, Ronaldo, and Kane. And any movement can determine the career path to the other striker. Um, in other transfer news, uh, Mbappe has been heavily linked to Real Madrid, and. When I first thought of this, I was like, oh, great, you know, Mbappe gets out of this farmer's league. He can actually show his true, you know, potential. But then when you look at Real Madrid's squad, I'm not 100% sure where Benzema is right now in his contract, but they've got one of the best strikers in the uh, La Liga in Benzema. So for them to pick Mbappe, maybe he could play in a left wing or right wing role, maybe. But yeah, I know what you I mean, mean. Yeah. I think it's more that he's uh, Mbappe is obviously a current and also future prospect prospect for um, for Real Madrid, where Benzema is just a current. He's he, after this, he's gonna he's on a slow decline. Yeah. So I think when he first moves, when Mbappe first moves, if it happens, moves to Real Madrid, he'll be put on the wing, um, or he'll be um, rotated with Benzema uh, when Benzema's legs aren't in it anymore and is getting a bit tired because of old age. Um, or football sense old age. Um, so yeah, I think that, that that's the idea behind that transfer. It's not more. It's not that Benzema's not good enough. It's more just um, yeah, Benzema's getting older and they need a future prospect. Yeah, its situation is similar to that of Ronaldo. So he's got a contract that's expiring, and Mbappe isn't going to sign it. Now PSG, being such a rich club, have said they don't want to sell him on now. They've rejected an one hundred and sixty million. Um, million dollar, uh, million pound, um, like transfer, um, from Real Madrid, uh, and that's on a player who's got a year left on his contract. So PSG just want to keep him at the club for that extra year. Potentially, they think they could get a signing out of him, but I, I just don't see that happening. Things Mbappe definitely uh, wants to get out and go on to greater things. I think, um. PSG should put the pen to paper. Um, Mbappe isn't going to be playing his best if he is has his mind on other things. Um, we've seen him linked to um, Real Madrid um, if the transfer occurs this transfer window and deadline day is coming up um, very soon. So that could happen. But if he, if he doesn't get um, a purchase from Real Madrid in the near future, he could potentially... Um, end up at a Premier League club. And Liverpool is one um, that has a chance at paying his wages, but they obviously couldn't afford um, the £160 um, million. Pounds. So it's going to be a situation that sort of fizzles out over the next few weeks, and we'll see how, uh, if he does get, um, if he doesn't get an offer, uh, he could very much end up in the Premier League. So it's going to be one, uh, definitely one to watch out for. Yeah, so we all know Ben's a Tottenham supporter. Ben, what's going to happen with Kane? Well, see, he's come out and tweeted, uh, he come out on social media and said that he his heart's in it and the, the fans kind of turned his, um, changed his mind. I think that's a, um, I don't think that's true. I think he, if the bid came in, he would leave. However, that doesn't change my opinion on whether his heart's in it and whether he loves the club. I think it was more of a career move. It was a more, um, a move with his head rather than his heart. He um, because he needs he needs to win trophies in his career. He needs to be remembered as one of his inc- the, the most incredible players, one of the best strikers in the Premier League ever. If he wants to be mem- remembered like that, 
he's got to move on and move tro- um, win trophies. But unfortunately, the bid couldn't come in for him. But as I said, that doesn't mean he does. Like people are forgetting how much Kane wanted to stay at Spurs. There's a reason why he signed that six-year deal. He is in love with this club, and he would do anything to stay at it and win trophies. But the issue is the trophies aren't there for him. So, um, well, we, 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 this morning or uh, well, last night in England, they just scored two goals. It looks like he's um in a a game against Pascos Dufiera. I think that's how you say it. Um, yeah, so he's he's on fire again. He's firing. Um, he's scoring again. We should it should be nice to see him playing in the um playing against Watford at home again uh, this weekend in the Premier League. Yeah, and I think it's it's a similar situation to Messi in the sense that they love their club. You know, Harry Kane stated that he loves Tottenham and Messi stated that he's always loved Barcelona. They've been amazing to him. But the only thing that was different was just that Messi couldn't work things out with Barcelona due to their finance at the time. But luckily, Tottenham was able to re-sign um, Harry Kane. But I, I was just wondering really quick because I was a bit confused. Did Manchester City actually officially bring out a transfer like fee for Harry Kane that he didn't accept or was it always just kind of in the dark and he ended up going with the safe shop option of Tottenham I believe they um at Man City they I know they did they bid at 150 million euros um but I think Levy wanted at least 150 pounds which is okay. a bit different I need to, I need to double check the the conversion rates um the exchange 150 rate. pounds would be a bit of a steal uh, 150 million pounds <laughs> Um, <laughs> that, that's that's the cost of the bloody kit. Oh yeah. my god! We can talk about inflation, football kits. Anyways, not inflation, but just the overpriced of football kits. Anyways, um, yeah. So I think it's just, and it's kind of like the direct opposite between um, Messi and um, Messi and Kane. Like in the sense that, like Messi ended up couldn't stay, uh, and then Harry Kane couldn't leave even though I guess Harry Kane's managed to stay with the club he loves. But it's kind of in the sense they both love the club and they just couldn't get their way, I guess. Yeah. Alrighty. Um, there's, a, there's a new... Um, we've, we've come up with this new um, kind of segment of the podcast. Also, it's going to be huge involvement around the social media as well. Just throughout the game week, I think we're, what we're going to start doing is we're going to start like making tweets um, and our thoughts on the game. And then we're going to come back and react to them. And the funny thing about this is they could, these tweets could be very reactional um, and they might not age very well. For example, if I was to tweet, oh, Salah's dreadful um, against who, who played this weekend. He played Burnley. Oh, Salah's been dreadful. Then he goes score a hat-trick. We've got that tweet to see. I think that'd be very, very funny if we could make these sort of statements throughout the week. So we've done it this weekend. And then we've got one from Aethan here. And Aethan says that Haaland could become one of the best strikers of all time or the best striker of all time. What do you boys think about that? I think there's still a lot to go um, to see what Haaland can do. He's been playing in the Bundesliga um, for a fair few years now and he's bagging goals. Uh, Borussia Dortmund's um, striker, uh, he, he's their only real um, striker at the moment and he's been just this physical presence and he's been playing... Um, been playing well, scoring goals. Um, I'd like to see more of him in terms of a, a Champions League point um, this year. That'll be uh, good to see. Uh, but I don't quite think that he's going to be named up there with, with the greatest of all time. But there's still a long time to go in his career, and we'll have to see how it how it pans out. Yeah, just quickly, yeah, just quickly want to touch on that. Um, 
Well, the reasoning behind that kind of tweet for me was just not only looking at the goals and assists that he's, that he's had in his last season or two, I think it was, but like just him as a footballer, his presence he has on the field, like the speed for how tall he is, how fast he is, how strong he is. Like he's got all the requirements to be one of the greatest like attacking players of all time. But I think it's just picking the right team or finding the right coach that can, you know, develop him to the point where he can become the greatest uh, yep. striker or attacker of all time. I can see where you're coming from, Ethan. And it's kind of like he's developed physically so quickly. Um, you remember Ronaldo at Man United? He came then. He was quite scrawny, quite skinny. And then it took him about a season and a bit, season and a half or so, and then he just built up, and then he was incredible. The thing I think Haaland lacks for him to be considered better, better than like R9 and... Cristiano Ronaldo, if you consider him a striker, is that sort of, um, it's kind of the, the dribbling talent. It's kind of the flair on the, it's, I don't want, I don't like the word flair as much, but his ability to beat players when he's on the ball, which a lot of these strikers have in their locker as well. Um, where Haaland's is a pure poacher. He's so physical. So I, I think he'll be a fan, fan, fantastic striker. I think it's hard to um, be a better striker than the likes of R9 when he could do both. He could finish, but he could also, you know, dribble the whole team and score. Yeah, my tweet was, um, Gabriel, Gabriel Martinelli is the worst ever player to be considered, or not worst ever, is one of the worst players I've ever seen to be labelled as a wonder kid. I don't know where the wonder comes from. But what, what do you boys think about that? I just, I can't, I haven't really seen much. I've heard a lot, I haven't seen much. Yeah, so in that Arsenal squad, uh, Martinelli hasn't really broken uh, broken through. Now, you can understand that um, over the last couple of, couple of years because they've had those two in-and-out strikers. They've had Aubameyang and Lacazette, but their form has recently been dropping, and you'd think a wonder kid who's, I think he's 21 or 22, you'd think that he'd be able to come into the team um, and, and do a job for them, but he just hasn't been given time and when he has been given time it's just been disappointing um at any sort of league or or whatever he hasn't really shown this um this wonder that you expect from wonder kids he, he he's a brazilian player and often we can um see uh some good performances some skillful performances that sort of end up going viral we saw the kante clip obviously that has sort of um raised his um what people think of him uh, in football. But yeah, I agree. He's uh, very much overrated. But again, we could um, see this screw us over in a few years if if he starts scoring uh, 10, 15 goals a season for Arsenal. But as it stands at the moment, I just don't see it happening. Yeah, I think um, it's, really, it's really difficult because he, um, he was injured a lot, a lot of last season. Um, but it's just in comparison to all the other, the, the wonder kids we have in the Premier League, the likes of Phil Foden, the likes of um, Saka, I'd say Saka, and also Greenwood. They've stepped up when um, the more experienced players are either injured or they're not on good form. So like we said, we're seeing Greenwood do it right now. We saw Saka do it last season. And um, and we're seeing Emil Smith-Rowe do it this season as well. Um, and it's just, it's it's we need to see more. I hear a lot from Arsenal fans. They talk about how amazing he is and everything. Not were you it's easier said than done i don't that's, i don't think that's the best way to explain it but you can talk all you like but i haven't seen it yet and you can't prove it to me until i see him I, until i see his wonder i guess 
Yeah, and I think we have to realize where these like opinions are coming from. Like it's the Arsenal fan base we're talking about here. They over exaggerate everything. Obama Black Young, like for his like Obama is not that good, but they rate him so high that they rate heaps of people so highly in that team. So I think the people calling him Wonder Kid, um, probably mostly or if not all Arsenal fans, I think it's just they're getting a bit excited that they've got some young talent and they want to be back into the top six and, you know, they're just, you know, finding any way they can. But, yeah, I, I don't think he could be called a wonder kid anymore. I mean, Aubameyang was good at one point. Yeah, he, he's very, he was. Very, he's, he's, he's falling. He's falling off a cliff, though. Um, but, yeah, moving on. What was your, what was your tweets, Paddy? Yeah, so we, I don't know if the people at home should sort of know this, but we did record this episode yesterday, but we didn't actually record it. Um, yeah, that's that's on me. Uh, so we've had these similar sort of chats, and I did have a, a tweet um, about Rashford, but I did want to talk about something real quick that I did see. Uh, I haven't got an exact tweet, but someone was uh, pointed out the uh, annoyance of the win predictor that the Premier League's been using. Now, Ben, this could be a, a Ben uh, Ben Herc um, uh, on the mic sort of thing. Um, a rant, but I don't know if we need to go that deep into it. But yeah, what do we what do we think about that? The win predictor, I, I I think it's horrible. I mean, I haven't heard many people talk about it. Um, I mean, within our friend within our friends group, I've definitely heard people talk about it and how when we watch the games, we always say we don't like it, and it kind of ruins the whole idea of like, oh, I don't know who's going to win. Anyone can win. When you see, for example, I think Man City. Um, uh, if Man City score in the first like minute or so, they have like a, a win um win percentage of like eighty percent. I'm like, hang on, they've still got like eighty minutes to play. It's um, it's it, and I don't like the idea of bringing statistics into football. I like the simple statistics. I like are oh, you goals and assists? That that's just counting numbers, right? Um, but anything beyond calculating a, the chance of a team winning when we know and we've We've been proven time and time again that you can't predict football. It changes all the time. That's why it's the most watched sport in the world. Yeah, and whenever I've seen them in games, like it'll pop up in that corner during a game. It'll be like, oh, this team is this percent chance of winning and the other one's this percent chance of winning. Like, firstly, if you're that team that's on that losing side of the predictor, imagine how you're feeling. You're like, you just see your team's got like a 5% or like a 20% chance of winning, whatever. You're like, well, I don't want to watch this. Like, you're just bringing in unnecessary t- statistics and like it's just making the game annoying. And as well, like, yeah, just like Ben was saying, it's just, is it needed? Like it takes away the whole suspense of, oh, you know, anything can happen. You know, it, it just takes that away and it makes it just, oh, okay, that team's probably going to win now. I guess I'll just, you know, not care for the game anymore. But yeah, that's yeah. just my opinion on it. In addition to that as well, like I was watching this the one of the opening games of the season, um, Spurs versus Man City. Um, and Man City were very dominant in the first the first fifteen minutes, but they didn't score any goals. You look at the win predictor. Um, Spurs like have like a five percent chance of winning, and Man City have like a seventy five percent. I assume the rest is a, is a draw, right? How can from fifteen minutes of football can you evaluate that Man City have a seventy five percent chance of winning a game, and Spurs only have five percent of chance? When apparent according to their statistics, Spurs. <laughs> One in twenty, they win that game from that fifteen minutes. One in twenty, and they did it apparently. See, see how stupid it is. It's yeah. um, it's not. It, it doesn't make any sense to me. Um, and I think they should get rid of it. I'm surprised I haven't heard social media talk about it as much. 
I don't like it. Speaking of odds, we'll roll the segment. Ben, I don't know if you'll quite understand that, but Ethan knows what I'm talking about. (laughs) So as you may know, Ben and myself have a couple of sort of segments that we do. So I have um, like a a wrap-up sort of poem of the week that's just been. Uh, That'll be coming again shortly. And then Ben's got his segment, Herc on the Mic, which is essentially just a rant um, about something that has occurred in, in the week of football. And now we've got a very special segment with Ethan, another of the co-hosts. It is called Ethan's Multi. Ethan, do you want to explain it and give us your multi for the week? Yeah, sure, Paddy. So I think everyone here knows about a multi. Um, <clears throat> so basically, it's just a couple of games that uh, I think everyone should hop onto on the uh, on the good old sports bet, and uh, you'll definitely get good money out of it, 100% return rate. So, yeah. Non-sponsored, by the way. (laughs) Obviously non-sponsored. Okay, so my multi this week for this next uh, game week is uh, Man City to kick 2.5 goals or above. I think that's a pretty safe bet. They are playing Arsenal. They are in the bin. Um, The next one is West Ham, and I'd say it's a tough one. Could be a tough one, but I reckon Mikel Antonio to score a hat-trick against Crystal Palace. Put your money on that one. It will be easy. Um, and then the next one is we've got Spurs to have 60% possession or above against Watford. I think that is a pretty safe bet. And look, I think, yeah, I just think that's that will be a one that we'll be able to cash you in there. And the last one, bit abstract, but uh, it's, it's, very, it's very bold. But um, I reckon put your money on. New South Wales to get to 1,500 in the next week. There you go. That's Nathan's multi, including some some football and, of course, COVID cases. That's a new segment. We're going to test it, uh, test to see how his multi's gone next week. Those odds are going to be in your favour. There's going to be a lot of money won if you can get that going, but I'm not sure if you can combine the COVID case tally and, and that of the Premier League. We'll have to see. We'll have to get uh, sports bet on the line. All right, so so speaking of things we want to fix for the next game week, obviously I'd like to abolish that um, completely, uh, the the win predictor. Uh, what are our sort of thoughts for the upcoming game week? Are there any uh, exciting teams we want to uh, talk about, any any matchups, or, or is this week going to uh, be one that's a bit more basic? I'm interested to see um, who does Chelsea play again? They Liverpool. play Liverpool. Yeah, that's going to be a big game. I think Liverpool have been heavily underrated this um, coming into this season. I, I, I'm, I probably admit it myself. I put them fifth. I have Leicester to finish above them. Starting to regret that. I'm starting to didn't think Van Dijk would pick it up so quickly. Um, then Chelsea, new signing Lukaku looked incredible against Arsenal. Didn't take him long to get his um, second, like well, Premier League debut kind of goal for Chelsea at least. Um, and yeah, it looks like an absolute menace. But I think Van Dijk might be too much for Lukaku. Um, what do you boys think about that matchup? Yeah, um, I, I'm torn, to be honest. I think they're two amazing sides. Both have had pretty recent success. And one team, especially Liverpool, have come back from serious injury with a lot of their players. So it's going to be one of the you know games, uh, sorry, easily one of the games of uh, the match week. But in terms of like predictions, Oh, it's it's seriously tough. Like, if I were to go with a prediction, I'd probably say Liverpool would get the win. 
I'm not sure how much. Probably, uh, I think Chelsea have to score a goal in that game, so I reckon it will probably be a 2-1 win. I'm thinking it's going to be high scoring. Uh, I know both teams have rock-solid defences, but when you come up against a team of such high quality, there's gonna, I, I imagine there's going to be an early goal somewhere, uh, and then that sort of fizzles to... Uh, to three or four goals overall, and I'm gonna I'm gonna say it's gonna be a three all draw, an absolute game and a half at Anfield. I think it's um I I think there's a high chance one of the teams get a clean sheet. Um, I think Chelsea and Liverpool are so defensive. I can't imagine them leaking um three or more goals or anything um, anything like that. I think it's gonna be um I think it's gonna be a it's hard to beat Liverpool at home, you know. I think it's going to be a 1-0 Liverpool win. As we go back to the start of the game week, um, the first game is Manchester City and Arsenal. Now, Arsenal have um, have already lost two, and I imagine this will most likely be another one. Do you think there's any chance that they come through with the result this game? No. No, just, Arsenal, they're just kind of in the bin right now. I think um, recently they did bring in Aubameyang and Lacazette in their most recent game, I think, right? I think, was it against West Brom? I'm not 100% sure. I think it was, but one of them they were beat, playing... They beat West Brom 6-0, I think. Yeah, and I think they have got their good players back, I'd say, but I think Manchester City is just... It's way, they're way too dominant. So, um, predictions-wise, I think I'd go with a... Hmm. Will Man City be able to keep a clean sheet? Um... Yeah, we'll give we'll give them some faith in the back line. I'd say a two 0 win to Man City. I'm going to say it's going to be a Norwich like result. Let's go five Man City, one Arsenal. I can't um I can't imagine Arsenal um after that West Brom Bromwich game being I can't I can't imagine them going to be five 0 four 0 because I feel like that's their their confidence will be a lot higher going into this game. I know it's only West Brom. But six 0 is still an incredible result. Um, I'm just going along more the, along the lines of a um, what Avon went with. More, I think I'm going to go two nil, two nil to Man City. Real quick, as we run through some of the other midnight games um, of our of our Sunday, so Aston Villa Brentford. Yeah, I'd say Aston Villa versus Brentford. Um, I've got some faith in Brentford. Aston Villa's defense has been kind of shocking recently, so I think it will be a one nil win to Brentford. I think um I think Tony's going to get his first goal. There's not often where he goes um three games without scoring, but I do think Aston Villa will win. I think it's going to be two one Aston Villa. Tony to score there. Say one all Aston Villa and Brentford each each scoring a goal at the start of the game and nothing else from that. We'll test that one against the uh the end of the week. Um, then there's Brighton and Everton. Brighton have very much overperformed, but they've been very solid. I'm going to say they're going to continue that streak at home at the Amex. Uh, Brighton 3, Everton 2. You love a high-scoring game, don't you, Paddy? I love Do a high-scoring game. You if you get it. the prediction right, there's going to be fans everywhere going crazy. Yeah, but okay. Well, uh, anyways, uh, <laughs> I think, yeah, I, I agree with you, Paddy. I think, actually, I think Brighton will come out and win this game. Um, I think Everton have, have had, a, had a decent start to the season. Um, perhaps leaking too many goals, and which is Brighton quite good. They're quite a good um, high-scoring team, and I think the fans are a bit behind them. And I think that they'll win it 2-1, 2-1 to Brighton. Yeah, so I think these are two teams that are undefeated right now in the two game weeks that we've had. 
Um, yeah. Oh, no, sorry. Everton's had a draw. Oh, yeah, still undefeated. It's but undefeated. Um, <laughs> I think <laughs> this will be a very um, tough match. I'm going to go with still kind of high scoring, but I'm going to go with a 2-2 draw. And there's Newcastle and Southampton. I imagine Southampton are going to get a, a result from this game. For me, Newcastle Newcastle have looked ordinary besides uh, St. Maximam, who's, uh, who's sort of come back and been able to take the ball forward a lot. I'll say Southampton uh, won Newcastle nil, and I'm going to predict my fantasy boy, Livermento, to get an assist and a clean sheet for a solid 11 points with a couple of bonuses as well. This game is going to be a tough game for both teams. I think um, I think just Newcastle is going to edge it purely because they have um, the home fans. And also, I think St. Maximin strives off the cheer, cheers of the fans. And he, he likes to be a lot more outgoing and experimental every time the, every time the um, Newcastle fans are behind him. So I feel like he'll cause um, a huge amount of problems for Southampton's defence, which will be too much. They've lost Vestergaard. It's going to be a 2-0 uh, Newcastle win. And um, for me, just quickly, I'll just get this one out of the way. I think South- Southampton are just going to win 1-0 to Newcastle. All right, easy. Then there's Norwich who came off the back of a, of a schlacking um, against Man City. Uh, they're at home against Leicester. Um, Leicester, for me, this season have looked a bit ordinary, but I don't imagine that Norwich are quite up to getting a result against them. I'll say Leicester uh, 1-0 uh, to Norwich. Yeah, um, confidence is lacking among both of the teams. Uh, what's it? Leicester were got got a red card and they just got absolutely battered by Antonio and Ben Rama. And yeah, I can't. Um, I can't even just with the pure quality of Leicester. I can't see them losing this game to Norwich. But I think they're both. It's going to be a very average game to watch. And if Leicester need to turn their season around, they need to do it now. I know on the on the in terms of points, they're not too bad. But they need to turn it around now. Uh, I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go Leicester two one. Yeah, um, I think Vardy is definitely gonna have a party at uh, this game. I think he's gonna bag two for them, and it'll just be a two 0 win to Leicester. Comfortable. Right, then there's uh, West Ham and Crystal Palace. West Ham, what a start to the season they've had. I'm predicting big man Mikel Antonio to go and score a brace again. Um, hopefully Ben Rama doesn't do much because I haven't got him in my fantasy. I'm going to say West Ham 3, Crystal Palace 1. Crystal Paris. <laughs> Crystal Paris, mate. Okay. Um, uh, I think Crystal Palace are going to turn around at one point. They've been very, very average. I think they got knocked out by the, in the Carabao Cup. Uh, so Vieira's got to hold on to his job, really. I know it's only been three games, but it's not a great record so far for him. He's got to turn it around. And I think... I think... I think West Ham can be stopped. I feel this happens all the time at the start of the season. Um, teams pop up, players pop up, and they do very, very well, but they just blank. Well, I hope they will blank. Not Antonio, but I hope Ben Rama blanks, as Paddy was saying. Uh, I think it'll be I think it'll be a draw. And I think Crystal Palace will um or Vieira will save his um extend his time at Palace. I know it's only been such a short time, but yeah, one all. Yeah, I think um West Ham West Ham can can be stopped. But uh, I don't think it's going to happen by Crystal Palace. I think it's going to be a uh, 3-0 win to West Ham. Now we've already gone through Liverpool and Chelsea. Let's go to Burnley and Leeds. Uh, Burnley haven't been anything really special. Um, Leeds, you could probably say the same. So I think this could uh, end up uh, being a, 
bit of a scratch match. Uh, Burnley at home are hard to get a goal from, but Leeds' attacking press uh, could really challenge that Burnley defence. So I'm going to say a draw. I'm going to go two all. Another high-scoring game from Paddy. Oh, my Another. God. Another. What should happen? I, I can't see... Uh, when I was watching uh, Liverpool versus Burnley, the strikers were so out of the game. Obviously, Liverpool have the likes of Van Dijk and, um, and Matip as well, who are probably just a bit better than... Uh, well, a lot better than the Leeds defenders. But I still don't see Burnley scoring in this game. I think it will either be a 0-0 or a, a 1-0 Leeds, and I'm going to go for a 1-0 Leeds. Yeah, um, I think this will just be one of the most... One of the boring games in the game week, and I think it'll it'll be the first that we've said, but I reckon it'll be a nil-nil. Right, easy. And then we go to Ben's team, Spurs, who come up against Watford, who haven't been too bad at the start of this year. Spurs have been uh, very good, claiming 1-0 results against both sides, and that defence seems to be holding up okay. I'm going to say Spurs will go 1-0. We're not going to go over the top for this one. Uh, So, yeah, Ben, what's your sort of thoughts on this one? Well, you see the difference between Spurs when they were playing um, away from home and then they went, when they were playing at home against Man City. They had so many chances against Man City and the 1-0 result wasn't reflective of the game at all. Um, Spurs should have scored two or three. Um, Berg- Bergwijn missed a huge chance. And yeah, they could have scored far more. Um, and I think the, like of Kane, the likes of Kane being back into that squad and obviously playing last night against um, the Portuguese side, scoring two and... Do you know how great Kane and Son were at the start of last season? I think uh, it's a real opportunity for Spurs to run rampage over Watford. I'm hoping for this. And this every time that Spurs promise me, they tend to disappoint me. Um, I want to go 3-0 Spurs, but I wouldn't be surprised if we lose 1-0. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I think last week Watford got a bit of a reality check from Brighton. You know, it is the second week, but, you know, can't stay on that high forever. And I think... They'll get an even bigger reality check, maybe even a slap to the face. And I think uh, Tottenham will just go with a 3-0 win. Tottenham is too good. Now goes to the last game of the week, as Wolves usually are. They're at home, uh, haven't had the best start to the season, been playing really good, just haven't been able to get the goals on the board. I haven't actually got a goal uh, in the Premier League so far. Hopefully Adama doesn't miss any uh, chances uh, against Manchester United. But I am going to back them for this game. Uh, Manchester United looks sloppy against Southampton. Um, and it's just going to be a matter of if they can perform to the standard they did against Leeds. And I just don't see that happening. So I'm going to say Wolves 2-1. Yeah, it's definitely going to be interesting. I wonder if Varane will play this game. Um, maybe he might get subbed on. But um, if he does, I think he will be maybe a good match for Adama Traor and some of those other attacking players at Wolves. But... I think Wolves will definitely give Manchester United a scare, but I think Manchester United will just, they'll get the win here. I'd say a 2-1 win to Manchester United. I'm going to back on our Manchester United's inconsistency here. They have one brilliant game and they screw up another and then they have an, another amazing game. So I'm going to back that. I think they're going to win. And I think when you mentioned Adama Traore, Paddy, I think when he's going to be matched up against Aaron Wan-Bissaka, probably one of the best tacklers in world football. Definitely one of the best tacklers in the Premier League. I think even if um, I th- I think try or we try we'll try break away from Aaron Bissaka. I don't think we'll be able to go and get past him. Um, and also I think Luke Shaw had a brilliant game against Southampton. Was unlucky not to push Man United over the line. So I think 
as um, Ethan says, if Varane comes back, I think Man United will have a confident win at home in front of Old Trafford fans in the theatre of dreams. I think it'll be a, a 2-1 win for, um, for Man United. Just really quickly on that, Ben, I imagine that uh, that Adama is going to go to the side of Luke Shaw. Luke Shaw isn't quite as quick and he's been more attacking in terms of trying to get some assists on the board. So I think Adama is going to really push uh, Luke Shaw into a more defensive position and he definitely has him for pace. So that'll be a good matchup to see uh, for this week. What do you think that would limit his ability? Well, he's already got a very, a very average finishing product. Do you think by putting him on the right will make it even worse because he'd be on his um, weaker side? I don't know if that. Um, I think just in terms of the matchup, Luke Shaw makes sense from a Wolves standpoint, and I don't see Wambasaka going to the left side. I think um, Adama needs to change it up, but the two chances have been right in front that hasn't really changed um in terms of the side so it's just a matter of which side is sort of running from and i think um it could definitely be something lager tries out okay looking forward to it this weekend uh huge games uh catch you back next week uh where we'll be discussing the results on this weekend unfortunately it would be um in the middle of an international break Club, club football fans hate international break as much as the Euros and World Cup um, are so much are so much fun to watch and the passion behind it. The international breaks do not uh, reciprocate that sort of passion. Um, but yeah, see you back in um, either, another in three weeks time, I guess. Yeah, thanks for, thanks for listening. And that's football.